Luke chapter 7, um, starting in verse 36, says, Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So uh, he went to the Pharisee's house and he reclined at the table. When a woman who'd lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the, Pharisees who had, uh, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. By the way, he said that to himself, and I want you to watch Jesus' response, verse 40. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. If you've ever wondered if God knows your thoughts, there you go, okay? Just say it. He said to himself, and then Jesus answered him out loud, had to freak him out a little bit. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii. Now, a denarii was about a day's wage. So 500 denarii, you're, you're talking almost two, two years, okay? It's uh, a lot of money. He says, and the other, 50 couple months. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, and so he canceled the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Jesus asked. Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman, and he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house, and you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears, and she wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. And then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith is has saved you. Go in peace. I'm going to share four things with you very quickly this morning about what this passage teaches us about true worship. Okay? And here's the first. I want you to see this morning, guys, that true worshipers are are not content merely being in the presence of God. Okay? True worshipers are not content merely being in the presence of God. They must interact with God personally. Okay? True worshipers aren't okay just being there. They've got to interact with God um, personally. So this is a story of contrast between this unnamed, sinful woman, probably a prostitute if we, we contextually read into the text, okay? Uh, and a Pharisee named Simon. And all of the lessons that we learn from our text come from examining the differences between these two characters and how they interact with Jesus, okay? So first we have Simon, the Pharisee. And Simon just seems to be very content that Jesus is over for dinner. Right? He, he's just, just content that Jesus is there. In fact, if you read the text carefully, it, it kind of seems like Simon thinks that he's doing Jesus a favor. Like, you, you get that? Like, hey, Jesus, why don't you come on over for dinner? You know, I know you guys don't eat much. It's like, it's like he's a gift somehow to Jesus. You know, God. 
right? And so he's kind of like, hey, hey, God, I'm glad you got to hang out with me, right? And that's kind of his attitude. That's his attitude. And, and, and the thing that stinks for us, guys, is so many of us, when it comes to church, that's our attitude, too. We, we act like showing up was enough. Like the fact that we came, that should just bless God's heart, right? That he actually got us here on a Sunday, right? And we call that worship. We call that worship, but the problem, guys, is Simon's not a worshiper of God. Do not fool yourself and think that showing up is worship, because that's not worship. Simon is not a worshiper of Jesus. He's a bystander. He's a bystander that thinks that somehow he's blessing God with his presence. Like Simon, we don't, we don't greet God when we get here. We're not so excited to anoint him or bless him. We don't like to take the place of a servant and embarrass ourselves in a place like this. That'd be ridiculous, wouldn't it? And so uh, we've done that. I think we could all confess there's been a time we've done that. But friends, I need to tell you that may be church, but that ain't worship. Okay? Simon's not a worshiper of God. But this woman, the sinful woman, she is. And I want you to see it. See, listen, she's not here to be blessed by God. That may rock your world, but she's a word. She's not here to be blessed by God. She is here to bless God, right? She, she didn't show up to receive something from God. She showed up to give something to God, right? She didn't show up to, to be the audience, right? That, that's not her deal. She's not here to be entertained. She is here pouring herself out at the feet of Jesus because God is her audience. Her audience. And again, so often we get that backwards. And we think that somehow God is here to put a show on for us. That it's for our benefit. Friends, God's not worshiping us. We are worshiping God. He is the one worthy of our sacrifice, of our praise, of our thanks. We can't get that backwards. That's the first sign of a true worshiper. True worshipers aren't content merely being in the presence of God. They've got to interact with God personally. Number two, what you see this morning, that true worshipers are so focused on God that they often forget their surroundings, right? True worshipers are so focused on God that they often forget their surroundings, sometimes where they are. And so Simon is kind of hosting this event, and you kind of have to know how these things go down in that culture. So in this culture, if you had somebody like Jesus over, I mean, Jesus is like a rock star of this day, right? I mean, there's going to be a crowd. So, so if, if you invited a really well-known Pharisee, a really no, well-known teacher of the law, like, like crowds of people would show up to your dinner. Um, you didn't have to feed them, but they would hang out on the outside of your house and like listen into your conversation. I know that's a little freaky, that's a little strange, but that's kind of how it went. So if you invited somebody like Jesus, there's a bunch of people there. And, and, and no doubt Simon is aware of that. I'm sure just in the guests, there's other Pharisees there. There's probably tons of Pharisees in the crowd, maybe some Sadducees, a, a few town folk uh, mixed in. And Simon knows what's going on. He's not an idiot, right? And, and, and so Simon, knowing who is there, knowing who's in the crowd, what does he do? Well, he doesn't greet Jesus with a kiss because, after all, what would other people think if he kissed Jesus? They might think he's becoming a follower, right? He doesn't wash Jesus' feet because what would happen if he washed Jesus' feet? Oh, maybe maybe he's following this Jesus now, this Simon. He can't hang out with us anymore. Look, look how he treats Jesus. He doesn't anoint Jesus. He's so worried with what other people think that he ignores Jesus. Dear friends, I love you. I'm not trying to step on your toes this morning, but oh my gosh, that is us. 
all too often, we enter into a time of worship. Like, it's actually titled worship. Like, that is, that's the name of it. Like, like, where do you come into the 8.30 worship service or the 11 o'clock worship service? You know the time where the people worship their creator and in that time that's focused on him, we're so worried about what other people think that we don't actually worship God at all. We just go through motions. We're so, like, like, what if I cried? Other people might think my life is broken. You're here because your life is broken. Amen. Welcome to church. You need a Savior. Act like it. It's okay. It's okay. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. So, so listen, man, Simon's caught up. He's worried about what everybody else is thinking, right? Very concerned. That's not really worshiping. And then we have our woman. <laughs> yeah. Everyone knows her. Few of those men in the audience probably knew her in a very special way. She knew a lot of men in town, I'm just saying. They knew her. They knew how she earned her living. And you know what? She's not dumb. She knows who's going to be there too. This woman knows who she is and she knows the environment that she's walking in. She, she knows she's going to the house of a Pharisee, to the house of a religious ruler where she is no doubt going to be judged. She knows it's coming, but she doesn't care, right? She doesn't care because she's not here for them. She is here for him. She's here to bless him. Now, now tradition was to anoint um, a a guest head with oil. They would use olive oil because it was in abundance and it was super cheap. Oh, how I wish that were the case for us, right? I don't know what your olive oil is costing you these days, but I'm like, dear goodness, I need to plant some olive trees. Um, not that I can figure out how to actually get the oil out of them, but I will try. So that, that, that's, that's, that's what they would do now. But he shows up again. Simon doesn't do that. But she comes with the desire to anoint Jesus. This is why she shows up. She is going to anoint Jesus, but she doesn't bring cheap olive oil. She brings this very expensive oil-based perfume, and it's in an alabaster jar. And we'll talk about the jar in a moment. And, and her, her goal is to anoint Jesus. But notice she doesn't go to Jesus' head. Why? We believe because she's ashamed. Because she knows she, she doesn't deserve his head. She goes to the dirtiest part of his body because she believes that she's the dirtiest person there. And when she gets there, she can't even do what she came for. She's come to to put perfume on his feet, not his head, because she's not worthy of his head. She's come to just put perfume on his feet, and she looks at his feet, and she just begins to weep. She just begins to see. It's It's like staring at his feet reminds her of every wrong step she has ever taken in life, and she is broken before him, and she begins to sob. I mean, those big, huge raindrop tears, so much so that his feet are now getting a bath. And she is broken. Friends, I'm here to tell you, true worship involves your emotions, not just your mind. And then she does something that like, lets us in on, on all of this. This is, this is how we know that everything's out of control. So she takes down her hair and she begins to wipe his feet. Now culturally, you did not take down your hair in public if you're a Jewish woman. And so I want you to see that she's in this very public place. But she could care less because this is a very private matter. She is lost in the moment. And friends, that's what worship is about. 
Worship is about forgetting what's going on around you because you're so focused on Jesus. True worshipers get that. They're so focused on God, they often forget their surroundings. Number three, uh, I want you to see this morning that true worshipers cannot contain their love and appreciation for God. True worshipers cannot contain their love and their appreciation for God. Um, And I want you to write some things down in between the filling in the blanks. I I hope and pray you do that normally, but um, I I want you to just kind of write this down. Uh, Worship is an act of love. That's what worship is. Worship is an act of love, all right? Like, Like, worship is not about singing well. It's about loving well. That's what worship is. It's not about singing well. It's not like, well, well, I I don't know. I can't sing very. It doesn't matter. You can sing at all. Do you love God well? Then do that. Just love God well because that's the heart of worship. And and, and, and we know that that's what's going on because Luke mentions that this woman is is just kissing Jesus' feet. And that word in the Greek is very special. It means to kiss much. It means to kiss over and over tenderly and compassionately. This is an intimate, loving word. And that's why Jesus tells this next story. He says, listen, there's, there's two guys that owe a moneylender some money. And, and one of the guys owes him a couple of months, and the other guy owes him a couple of years worth of wages. I mean, it's going to take him forever to work that off because he's got to live still, you know? And, and, and Jesus said, and he says, but, but the money lender has compassion. He forgives both of them. And he, so he says, Simon, which one? Do you notice the question? Verse 42. Simon, which one of these do you think loves him more? Friends, worship is always an act of love. He says, which one do you think will love him more? And, and, and Simon answers correctly, the one that had the bigger debt canceled. And this is the key to the story. How did our woman view herself? How did our woman view herself in respect to others and respect to Jesus? Ready? Here's the answer. She viewed herself as the greater sinner. That's how she viewed herself. That's why she's a true worshiper. She she viewed herself as the one that owed the greater debt. That's why she loved much. Friends, here's the key to it. Ready? You want to truly worship God? When you show up, believe that you're the greatest sinner in the room. That's the key. If you ever come to a a, a gathering of of Christians that are going to worship God and you don't honestly believe that you're the worst person there, then you're going to miss him. You're going to miss him. It's not about, I, I, well, well, I know so-and-so just did that, and so-and-so just said, I'm doing pretty good. Your sins nailed Jesus to the cross, my friend. Yours. And you can never get away from the personal nature of that, or else you lose the heart of worship. You can't. You can't. Because her, her great debt was canceled, she could not contain her love and appreciation for Jesus. That's got to be our mindset. It's got to be. True worshipers can't contain their love and appreciation for God. Because they know that they are the greatest sinner. Lastly, I'll leave you with this and we'll be done. Um, I want you to see that true worshipers understand that God is their greatest treasure. And they refuse to give him anything but their best. True worshipers understand that God is their greatest treasure and they refuse to give him anything but their best. Now let's talk about this alabaster jar, shall we? She doesn't bring olive oil to anoint Jesus. She brings an alabaster jar of perfume. You say, why is that important? Uh, We're going to estimate this jar of perfume was worth about a year's wages. Now, some, some would say that this was, you know, a part of, of her lifestyle. If you're a woman of the night, you've got to smell good. It's kind of part of the deal. So she, they'd say that. Some would say because of that, this is a symbol she's trading in her past, 
right? She's leaving her sinful life behind. Others would say, uh, no, 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 this was a dowry, right? Um, a lot of times uh, a father would give a daughter uh, something of, of great value so that when it was time for her to get married, she could pay for it. It was, it was kind of cultural. And of course, she's not going to get married because of what she does, and so she's giving up her dreams. It doesn't really matter how you look at it. What, what's important is, is the expensive nature, the costly nature of what she pours on the feet of Jesus. On the dirtiest part of the human body, she pours out the most expensive thing she has. And here's a truth that we need to understand, guys. Just write this down somewhere. True worship is costly. True worship is costly. It is always costly. It will cost you money. It will cost you pride. It will cost you time. It will cost you embarrassment. It will cost you comfort. But true worship is always costly. I, I love the story uh, of, of King David and, uh, and Aruna, and, and it's found in First Chronicles. And here's kind of the backstory. Uh, King David comes to this guy named Aruna, and the Israelites are... are um, being affected by a great plague. And so David's like, I've got to make an offering to God um, to stop this plague. Like, all my people are dying. I, I, I have to do something. So he, he finds a threshing floor. He goes to a man named Aruna. He says, I need to buy your threshing floor so that I can make an offering to God so that we can stop this plague. And the guy, Aruna's like, no, my king, you may have it. Like, you can always see him bang. No, King David, you take it, right? It's yours. And, and I love David's response because this is what he says. But, but King David replies to Aruna, no, I insist on paying, get this, the full price. I'm not even going to take the king's discount, man. I'm going to pay the full He says, I will not take for the Lord what is yours or sacrifice a burnt offering that costs me nothing. Do you know why? Because if it costs you nothing, it's not worship. David says, I refuse to go through the motions. Worship is supposed to cost me something. And with that one statement, church worship services should have changed forever. With, with that one verse, church worship services should have stayed, changed, like just changed forever. Christians should have then gotten up in the morning and gotten dressed and be like, man, I wonder what church is going to cost me today. I, I wonder what lifting up the name of Jesus is going to cost me today. Today, is it going to cost me uh, comfort? Is that what's going to happen today? Is God's word going to be so sharp that it cuts through the hardness of my heart and points out my deepest sins in front of everybody else? Is that going to be my cost today? Today, is, is my cost going to be that I've got to sit through and endure five extra minutes of that guy up on the stage because he talked too long? Is that the cost today? Today, is the cost going to be that my child is going to wiggle around and drive me crazy and I'm going to have to force myself to focus on Jesus? Is that going to be my cost today? Is my cost today that we're not going to sing every song that I like? Is that going to be my cost today? What is my cost today for following the Lord? Because that's the only time that we worship God when we get over ourselves and we make it about Him. That's it. And if you show up thinking anything else, you're going to miss the bus, man. You show up thinking anything else, you're going to get a real good religious experience, but you're not going to be a worshiper. You're just going to have been in the presence of God. God is my greatest treasure, and He deserves my best. That has to be your mindset. God is my greatest treasure, and He deserves my very best. True worshipers understand that. So what, what do we do with a message like that? I just have literally one application point. You guys are like, what? Usually there's several. Just one thing. 
It's just one call of, the, of this text over and over and over and over. Just be a true worshiper then. Just be a true worshiper. I love what Jesus says in John chapter 4 to the woman at the well. I think we forget it sometimes. But he says to her, you know, listen, a time is coming and has now come when God's people aren't going to worship me over here over there. But he says, God is spirit. And his worshipers are going to worship him in spirit and in truth. Truth. What we've been talking about all morning, what a true worshiper is. Right? That's, that's what we've been talking about all morning. So I, I just would implore you, I would encourage you, this week, and it's a little different, we're short on time, but I, I want to chant, would you take home these notes and, and work through them this week, every day? Would you ask God, God examine my heart, am I a true worshiper, or do I only worship when it's the songs I like? Ooh. Well, well God, I, 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 listen, I, I mean, I came to worship you, but that bass line was just driving me nuts, I just couldn't get behind it. You know, you, maker of heaven and earth, Tells the oceans that they can come this far and calls the stars out by name. Just couldn't worship you. Just couldn't do it. Because those pews were hard. Nope, I couldn't do it. I mean, I mean, those stained glass windows, green, for crying out loud. Who thought about green? I mean, I really wanted to. I wanted to give you my all, but I was just so distracted by the green. Sorry. That lady in front of me, Lord, she kept raising her hands. I, I, I thought she had a question. I couldn't. Couldn't figure it out. That other guy looked like he robbed a bank. He was doing this. I didn't know. Some lady in the front row couldn't figure out what she was doing. She was walking like an Egyptian. I just, I tried, Lord, with everything in me, and I couldn't do it. And I ask you, how justified do you think you'll stand before God with those kind of responses? How justified can we stand before holy God and say, God, I missed out because of those lame excuses? God is worthy of our worship. He is worthy of our praise, and we need to get to it, friends. It is time we became true worshipers. True worshipers that worship God in spirit and in truth. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word. I pray that you've spoken to our hearts. I pray that we leave different because of what we've heard, because of what you've taught us on the inside. That's my prayer. Just ask you to give us a, a sweet moment here that we could reflect on these things. In your name we pray.